But in your research, you discovered that actually it's not the case that individuals, um, and you conducted a lot of your empirical research in Toronto, right, uh, are just becoming atomized nihilists uh, without any kind of sense of the spiritual uh, or of ultimate meaning. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you discovered while you were carrying out your studies uh, through your PhD, where the differences uh, were between uh, kind of modern religious attitudes and conventional ones going back a long ways, and why it is that you see these kind of new modern spiritualities as having a lot of potential for providing meaning to people's lives. Okay, sure. So I, I just, just to sort of pick up on some of the stuff you said, because I think it's important that, you know, part of the reason I went into that segue about uh, Durkheim in the 19th century is because, mm -hmm. as you point out, it mirrors very, very clearly a lot of the kinds of critiques that one hears today, right? Absolutely. People like Sorab Omari, uh, Patrick Deneen, uh, and and so on, right? So you have conservatives echoing precisely those same kinds of critiques of liberalism that we hear today that existed just you know a hundred or more years ago, and so in a sense, I've been very you know my empirical research is precisely an attempt to try and engage with this long-standing critique of liberalism, right? Mm -hmm. Which Durkheim was trying to to try and respond to. So following Durkheim, I kind of start from the premise again that you know that societies. There is no such thing as a society that doesn't have sacred forms, because by definition, in order for it to be a society, you know, it has to have some kind of uh, shared ideals. Now, it's often the case, of course, that people aren't aware of those. And so in a sense, you know, doing what I do, you know, it's sociology of religion, it's also cultural sociology. And so I think of it as a kind of social psychoanalysis. I'm often trying to, you know, identify the sort of sacred forms uh, and cultural meaning systems that we just kind of take for granted. Right. And so I found, you know, uh, to bring this all back to sort of what we started with, I started by looking at people who identified as spiritual but not religious, because I thought this was really interesting, because in a sense, people who are spiritual but not religious tend to sort of understand themselves as quintessentially this kind of modern person who basically mm -hmm. has no commitment to a tradition, right? Who in a sense is sort of a, an individual, right? Has their own kind of idiosyncratic beliefs. And as you said, sort of, you know, picks and mixes, you know, what, what they're going to take. And, and in a sense, um, it, it kind of fits actually perfectly with the conservative critique, right? I mean, this is what conservatives like Deneen and uh, uh, Amari say, that, that these are people, you know, the kind of spiritual but not religious people are, are you know, quintessential liberals in that they, uh, they don't belong to any tradition. They've rejected religion in general. But my view, you know, inspired by Durkheim, is that actually when you look at these, when you sort of interview them, and I did, I interviewed 50 mm. spiritual but not religious uh, people in, in uh, Toronto. When you interview them, you realize that actually they hold a lot more in common than we realize. In other words, I think that there is a shared what I call religious form uh, or even cultural structure, which is sort of a technical term, um, that under that informs and underlies what goes by spirituality today. Mm -hmm. So I think that actually, when people talk about being spiritual and not not religious, ironically, they they in, sense, they in a sense invoke a certain shared religious tradition, which they not, might not even be fully aware of. But actually, if you if you you know if you know some religious history, you can see that it kind of recurs throughout history. You can trace precursors through say the 19th century and transcendentalism, theosophy, new thought, these are you know, alternative religious movements which nobody's heard of, but actually if you do some research into them, you realize that they, are, they were the forerunners of the sort of spiritual but not religious 
disposition. And then earlier than that, in the say in the 18th century, you have things like uh, you know Methodism, um, Pietism, and Romanticism, right? Mm -hmm. Which is sort of a key movement. So all of these were historical precursors to what I think what what goes by spirituality today. And the way I see you know, to, to make a long story short, the way I understand spirituality or what goes by spirituality today mm -hmm. is that I see it as actually the sort of religion of liberals. That is to mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. it is the religious option that people who are, you know, who are liberals, right, um, uh, you know, tend to be attracted to, right? So those sort of liberals, one way of putting it would be to say that, you know, those of us who are liberals in liberal democracies today and who have, you know, espoused liberal values, those of us who have, for, for whatever reason, you know, who feel that craving for meaning that uh, Weber identified, right? Who who feel that you know sort of very very poignantly, we tend to to look to, towards spirituality, right? We are going to be attracted in one form or another to you know this sort of spiritual but not religious orientation. Um, and I even you know in in the book that so my PhD thesis and in the sort of revised book. Uh, I call this the religion of the heart. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I sort of think that it's actually a a cohesive and coherent religious form. 